Jason. Today's episode of the Lee Summit Town Hall podcast is brought to the good people. My budget blinds of Lee Summit. Budget blinds. Did you know? I know. Budget Blinds is your home for the Signature Series Automated Shades. All hail our robot shade overlords. Look, if you are ready to make your home a smart home, do you know who to go to? I'm going to say you need to go to Budget Blinds because really, if you're trying to make your home... It's like you were going to forget who the commercial was for. If you're going to make your home a smart home, you are not inviting you or I into it. But your friends, our friends at Budget Blinds can help improve the smartness of your home. Even our home, they could help improve the smartness of. Why, why are they so good, Jason? Because they are our robot shade overlords, and they are benevolent, and, and we should be appreciative of the work they do for us. So if you are ready to go find all of the beautiful things for your home window treatments and your automated window treatments, go see our friends at Budget Blinds of Lee Summit right in the heart of downtown. Tell him Jason next thing. Hello again and welcome to Lee Summit Town Hall, a weekly podcast about what you can do to make a difference. I'm Jason Aubrey and as always, I am joined by a man who, and I swear this is not me, I am not projecting in any way, spent a chunk of time today reading detailed analysis of Supreme Court decisions. It's Nick Parker, the publisher of Link to Lee Summit. False. Guilty. <laughs> totally projecting i was sitting there today and a couple of you know high profile things uh had come out recently from the supreme court and i was reading as uh apparently even though i'm no longer really all that active in the practice of law you can take the boy out of the law but you can't really take the law out of the boy do you still nerd out a little bit i still nerd out heck i still nerd out about like physics stuff from when i was in college so it's true i just add new nerd things is as we go along Really, you know that's 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 a good sign of aging, well, right? It's a sign. It's a sign of personal growth. What new? What are you? What new thing are you nerdy about this year? <laughs> there we go. So, as always, Link to Lee Summit is the source for all the news you need about this very fine city. And our unofficial sponsor today, speaking of physics, is uncertainty. Am I wearing my new headphones, or am I wearing the headphones that I borrowed from Nick? You can't tell because they're the same thing. So actually, they, these are Nick's headphones because the ones my Amazon shipment was delayed by a day or two. Um, but there we are. So I, I, I've enjoyed these. I've enjoyed these headphones so much. And the uh, the artificial intelligence overlords at Amazon popped up that, hey, this model is on sale for a deal. And I couldn't pass it up. So Did they actually know which which headphones you'd been using? I put them on my wish list. Oh, so okay. yeah, they knew. So, I mean, I told them, but then like all of a sudden go, Hey, look, you can buy this thing cheaper. And there I was making an impulse purchase from my phone, wandering through my house on a Saturday. Well, I guess it's okay. Next thing you buy though, you should buy local. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, well, you know, look, if uh, I'm pretty sure that if our friends in, in any of the restaurants, and especially the taco vending restaurants, were able to get access to my phone and send me a special for like 30% off tacos, I'd buy tacos. Hint, hint. Hint, hint. Hey, guys, hint. guys. We need some taco deals. Yeah. Justin, if you're listening, taco deals on my phone. You know, we had, when we first started the show a few years ago, we had Justin on a few times. We should have him back. Well, are they bringing food this time? I'm like, I'm, I'd be, I, look, we're still doing a little bit of social distancing here. 
I know you're back in the studio, but you are distances from everybody else, and I am not yet back in the studio. But I'm, I might break quarantine for tacos. I, I, I am. Uh, so this, I think, is my fourth maybe show to do back in the studio. It feels good, Jason. It feels good to be back home. I know. I, I feel the pang of wanting to be there with you, but well, I'm, not, I'm not ready for you to be that close to me. Yeah, honestly, I can't blame you, even if we weren't in the middle of a quarantine <laughs> pandemic. So, fair enough. Nick, what's going on in the city? Well, of look, Minnesota? hey, let's let's go through a, a, a few things. Um, one, I want to start off with with a, a kudos and a good on you to some people. because Jason, Hold on, before you do that, you realize tonight, I know that you're going to say something, but tonight is the last episode of this season of our favorite, favorite soap opera. Yes, I was going to say, I was going to hold that back. It's the last one. Build New season it. starts next week. But go ahead. This is the final season, well, episode, I guess, of this season of As the Council, As the Council Turns. Turns. We will have a new cast coming soon. And on this, on this final episode, Jason, they, they, I think they spared the new cast, right? I think, uh, I think they did. <laughs> Which, I mean, you know, to think about the timing of when the – the, these things need to be done and all that you know that's a, that's doing them a solid that's well we'll put off solid. we'll put off my kudos and we'll go ahead and, and and jump jump right into the city council uh discussion we're recording this on tuesday night so it's still it's still ongoing but on the agenda for for the tuesday city council meeting was to approve the budget for the next year and that's really i mean it's 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 of note every year but it is it is more so this year because we're looking jason at a pretty decent drop in tax revenue for the city based on what's been going on with the pandemic. I think, you know, sales tax numbers were already going down a little bit anyway, but this obviously threw a giant wrench in everybody's plans. Take a, take a second, Jason, kind of run through what we're looking at because we're looking at a pretty hefty deficit in the budget. Absolutely. So, I mean, so as a whole, the, the net numbers here um, for the general operating fund and, and keep in mind, you know, and we've done this before, you know, years and go back to some of our old episodes and that the, the, the number that really that gets affected year to year is the general operating budget, not like all of the stuff that's raised through uh, the community, you know, the capital improvement taxes and things like that are their own dedicated funds and fund streams. And, and most of those are unaffected by what we're dealing with. But what we're dealing with here is the general fund, which operates, which funds, you know, the fire department, all the employees of the city, all of the things that the city does. Short version, there is about a five and a half million dollar budgeted deficit for this upcoming fiscal year, what they call fiscal year 2021, that starts July 1 and ends um, at the end of June in 2021. And that's a pretty big number. Um, they did that despite, you know, reducing a lot of things. Uh, you know, the fire department put some stuff on hold. They've, they've made hiring freezes. They're not giving any, a lot of increase in compensation. They're not doing a lot of those sorts of things. And the bigger driver, biggest driver for it, and you mentioned this, was sales taxes. They're estimating that sales taxes will be down over 10% from this next year versus last year. Um, and, and let's be honest, that's just a guess. I mean, I, you know, under. Well, I think a, that like a lot of the things as they have throughout this entire pandemic talk, Jason, it comes down to what you call the unofficial sponsor of today. Uncertainty. I mean, uncertainty. The, the answer to many of these things is, and it's very hard for all of us to accept. 
or even to say the answer is to many many things i don't know right and so you the city is building this budget based on some assumptions that they have made um none of which are optimistic i would assume but also probably you know assuming we're going to follow some normal patterns of economic recovery and and pacing and that thing and we just don't know if there's you know the dreaded second wave or a fall kick in uh, a resurgence of that or it gets complicated with the flu season or any number of things happen it could be worse or you know we may end up figuring out what the the magic bullet is whether it's universal mask wearing or a vaccine comes around in some record time in the fall or or what that may make it a little bit better but we just don't know there are still so many unknowns and so i would expect that we're going to we're going to be back at this in september october november somewhere in that time frame to reevaluate based on what has happened in the interim and that's um, something that council member bob johnson talked to you and i about when we had him on what two months ago now Mm-hmm. Um, on our show and when he was talking about how they were looking at the budget was they were kind of looking at doing things almost in three-month intervals or at least maybe not doing them in three-month intervals but being able to re- reassess right and and making assessment. making an intentional choice to come back and do that i think that's something that they're absolutely going to need to do because like i said we just don't we we literally don't know i you know my job is a as a, a director of a nonprofit trying to program things that are supposed to happen in the fall or next year or what have you. And our answers are, I don't know. Like, you know, it's like, it's hard to make any kind of plans if you don't know what's going to happen. And, and that's what they're facing right now. So it's nice of this, this outgoing cast of, uh, of characters, or I guess, you know, the, the two they're, they're leaving to, to get this work done. And uh, before the new people have to come in and try to get up to speed and make any changes at the last absolute possible second. So that's how they are going to wrap up this this final episode of As the Council Turns, and we will we'll welcome them back in in next time as the new new council is takes the oath of office. We'll see Hillary Shields move into Rob Benny's spot on in the first district, and we will see Andrew Felker move into the spot vacated by Craig Faith in District Two, and then in Districts Three and Four, Phyllis Edson and Fred Demaro are returning to their seats after the election. Jason, let's. I'm, I'm going to move now to my kudos. I'm going to give a good on you. This is kind of this is kind of cool. I think um, you and I a lot. We don't we don't get the opportunity to talk about it as much as we used to, and and maybe that's something we should make more of an effort to do. Jason is is this show was started on getting involved on reasons people should be involved in the things going on in the community, whether that's volunteering, whether that's as simple as just showing up to vote. All of the many things. And the many reasons to 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 get in here and make a change in in our backyard. Also going on at the council meeting on Tuesday night was a kind of graduation recognition ceremony for the Citizen Leadership Academy uh, class of 2020. Jason, this is a pretty easy way for people to get involved and to learn about what's going on in our community, all the different layers and things that happen. Right. If you are interested in a deep dive as to what really happens in our city government, this is a way to do that where you can really get a good, a good taste of what, you know, how the sausage is made and where all the decisions are go and what a person in the public works department actually does from day to day, right? Not everybody's out paving roads or what have you. And why, you know, why, why isn't this all done instantaneously and, and see what, 
how all of that stuff happens. And so it's a really cool way to get into that. Um, you do not have to be a giant government nerd like Nick or I, um, but the, these applications, I'm sure they'll, they'll open back up for the next round of it here in the not too distant future. Um, and if we catch window, but we will share it on these air and, uh, and get you, but it's a great way to get involved. So kudos on those graduates who went through that process and probably have a much deeper understanding of, uh, of what, what, what happens to make a city work. And, you know, over, over the years, as, as Jason, as you and I have talked to, to different candidates for, for local public offices, it's been interesting because we've heard a couple of them say, hey, I went through that class and that actually got me interested in it. We, we've heard some of the candidates say that, that this is what kind of sparked their interest and made them think about, think about getting involved through elected office. So I, I'm sure, you know, it, it also could have the adverse effect. I think you might get in there and be like, oh, oh I don't want to do that job. Right. Well, but at the very least, I'm so glad someone's there who's a trained professional and knows what they're doing right. to handle that job. So, so th this is a, this is a good program. I think it really does give give a good eye opener to all of the different things that happen to to keep our city not only running, but also how all of those services that we take for granted that we enjoy by living here in Lee Summit how those happen to, to, to keep going. So good on you to the 2020 graduates of the Citizen Leadership Academy. And speaking of someone who has given a lot of service to the city of Lee Summit. There was one more piece of recognition at the council one, meeting. Uh, one more person who's graduating, I guess, from uh, full-time <laughs> employment with the city. We can call it graduating. Graduating into retirement. Uh, Dina Metzger, the head of the Public Works Department for, well, more than a couple of minutes uh, is is <laughs> retiring and and moving on out of the city uh, and the there were some words that were said at nice words I'm assuming um, at the at the council uh, thanking her for her service she takes it, that is a truly thankless department um, you know nobody ever thinks about the public works department until you know a water line breaks or oh, there's a pothole in the you road don't, you don't like your bill. You don't like your bill. You don't like whatever. I mean, think about how many calls our public works department had to take for View High Drive. Right. And that's not even their job. And, 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 and all of those calls for them only to say, we can't do anything because right. it belongs to the city of Kansas City. It belongs to KCMO. So, you're, you know, that's a, it's a tough job. You're always, you know, you're always trying to operate within a certain budget and do things in time and, and do that. And our public works department is uh, award winning. Um, highly certified, a, a very good organization as a whole. And Dina uh, deserves a lot of credit for keeping that ship on course for all this time. So good on you, Dina. Thank you for all the work you've done for the city. And overseeing that fancy schmancy new building. That is true. She did get to do that as well. So there we go. But that's, yeah, a nice, so, that's a nice little feather in the cap there. There we go. All right. Good on you, Dina. So now, I'm going to take, take the big anticipatory sigh here. <sighs> okay. I was, I was going to take the easy transition. I was going to go with the segue and talk about our other soap opera on the other side. And I just don't want to do it, Jason, because it's just, it's not right. And it's, this, this is a, a more serious. This, this is not a bit oriented subject this, matter. Right. I'm going to move over to the Lee Summit R7 school district. And, and I want to talk a little bit about what's going on. And, and some of that, look, it's going to relate to, to a column from our, our guest, guest columnist, John Bedoin for Link to Lee Summit, just put out a column talking about a current lawsuit 
filed against the district by five female principals and assistant principals in the district. And that lawsuit is, is alleging gender discrimination. And I'm going to, well, first, Jason, I'm going to have you tell us a little bit about what's going on, what this, what this lawsuit is. And then I'm going to kind of, I'm going to add a little perspective and a little context to all this too. So Jason, first, what is exactly is this lawsuit? Put on, put on your attorney cap again and real briefly tell us what the suit is. All right. Well, I'm going to, I'm going to do something that's very rare. And so uh, John, I want you to hold on and listen to this very carefully. But give John Bedoin some credit here. I think as a, as a matter of the facts of the case in general, um, or at least as they were alleged in the complaint that has been filed, um, he did a good job. So you should read his article to get that part of it. Now, I have my issues with other things, but we're not here to, uh, to, to give a review of John's article, but it is, a good, it is a good sort of factual summary. Essentially, a lawsuit has been filed by five administrators in the district that claimed that essentially the way the district worked discriminated against them because they were women and or of a certain age, over a certain age um, in, in that process. That's the short, very, very short version. Now, to get to the point where you even get to file a lawsuit, typically, um, in, on, for a workplace discrimination, you have to go through the Missouri Commission for Human Rights. Um, so I'm going I'm I'm to pause you, pause you uh -huh. there, because I think for those that, that, that read his column and saw that piece of it, or that are just now listening to you, to even file the suit, you have to go through this other process. Correct. Um, and this is, this is very much in line when um, many people have probably heard of the Equal Opportunity Employment Commission, uh, EOC, or Equal Employment Opportunity Commission, pardon me, EEOC as the federal group. It's the same thing. It's sort of a gatekeeper to help, well, uh, ostensibly to help filter out any uh, frivolous cases that may be out there. And so you can go through the case and they, they, they have different ways they can do, but essentially you come out of that with essentially what's called a right to sue letter um, that you have done the thing you've shown the information you need to show and that your case is um, to, to sort of legal word around it. It's not without merit um, to, to go through that process. So there's a lot of things. So just keep in mind that, you know, as we have talked about with a lot of these other lawsuits that, that make the, the local news as it were, is this is the petition that was filed. So this is, the plaintiffs, the five administrators, uh, this is their side of the story with all of the things that they could accuse and put out and do that. We have not heard any word really from, uh, from the district. Uh, there has been no discovery, no depositions, no documentation. There's been no trial. There's been no determination of liability or anything um, in this. It is at the very, very, very beginning of the the lawsuit process so taking that into account uh, essentially what they're saying and, and i think i, I want to try to take this in a, in a slightly different route um than i might otherwise if you just take sort of what they say at, at the the barest value and you pull out intent for a minute what they're essentially saying or a lot of what's in this is that the system as structured discriminated against them because of their who they were as people whether they were of a certain age or a certain gender um, and in that process now there were also accusations based on intent 
and that gets into a different thing and there's a lot of different standards there but i think for what we wanted to talk about i think is is that that structural piece and and you, you see that that you know the the way it was structured was that the the pay where the pay structure that they had was set up to favor new hires and younger people over these these regular folks um, as they allege and and that is, is something that's in there that that even pulling out the intent part of it even assuming that the district superintendent who literally has equity in his twitter handle even he you know failed to upend the system and and take care of these discriminatory well essentially discriminatory outcomes that happen well, I want to stick I want to stick a pin there cuz I do I do want to I do want to come back to that you, you you just said this is the very early stage so so where are we at what happens next in in the in the process let's 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 stick with that first and then I want to come backward okay um, well, I would assume under normal circumstances, there will be a rash of responses and motions by the district and their attorneys. Um, probably will be a motion to dismiss um, based, you know, in these sorts of situations, they always file them just to say, hey, you didn't actually state a claim in this, this sort of thing. There'll probably be some other motions to limit some things or try to redefine. And then there will also be a response that will be filed at some point by the school district saying, you know, these things are true. These things are not true. We don't know about these things. So we're saying no. And then that sort of sets the, the ball field up for then the, the what follows, which is typically then you get into what, what's called the discovery phase where people ask for documents, start looking at things. We have, they bring in people, you know, experts and, and all of that and I'll say this really, really boring legal stuff uh, that leads us towards eventually assuming there's no settlements or, or resolution to this whole process leads to a trial, um, which is, I would say, a long way away and also highly likely not to ever happen. So that that puts us that gives us kind of the the factual what what it is and where we're where we're at right and, and just to be clear that uh, this is one of those things that you get a lot of I mean we can go back to Dr Carpenter's suit against uh, the EDC right we heard about a lot when uh, it was filed actually we heard a lot before it was filed and then it got filed we haven't heard anything in months right that's what you would expect here is that this will go really quiet and dark probably for a good while um, and you won't hear anything and you may never really hear anything publicly because this may settle with a confidential settlement that that does whatever it is and so it's it's distinctly possible that you never hear about this suit again okay so now i want to i want to shift gears i wanted i wanted to make that a pretty kind of cut and dry here's what it is here's where here's where we're at segment now i want to get into a, i want to shift into a little bit of issue analysis um part of this discussion and you alluded to this a little bit when you when you talked about how if you take the intent portion out uh, of this suit and you look at it at it, it is an indictment kind of on on the system itself and the policies of the district and what i want to talk about a little bit jason is when i first heard about this i want this to me 
is another layer, another log on a fire, right, in a, in a discussion about the district and about the community about diversity, about equity and, and inclusion. And it seems that we keep kind of starting to get there and then we move on to a different distraction or, or someone leaves the building and we think maybe it's done. But we keep having to come back to this conversation, this conversation that is really all about perception. What are the things that we are saying publicly and how are people perceiving it outside of the building, right? And this is just one more thing. So whether we're talking about race, whether we're talking about gender, whether we're talking about age, we're still talking about all of these different things, all of these different ways that it looks like from the outside, it looks like that there is a problem with inclusion. Yeah, I think, well, we didn't podcast last week and and that followed right on the heels of the R7's initial school board meeting. Um, and, and I need your, a break. I know. Well, look, I'm, <laughs> that's fine. Um, me too. Um, as, it, as it turned out, I did as well. But, and, and your article in there highlighting the, uh, the struggle uh, hashtag that went through um, the people, former current and former people, Students. students yeah these were students these are current students former students and, and, that are telling and, some stories and staff of the district telling their stories and and the thing that struck me when i was looking at that was there are a lot of things and and i'm going to use the term here but i want to i want to unpack it a little bit that were what they would be considered microaggressions and what i mean by that is it's stuff that's little stuff that you the sayer of the thing in, uh, that is in dispute don't mean and aren't even necessarily wanting to be or wouldn't want to be considered racist or sexist or ageist or what pick your thing whatever is bigoted if you want to use the the broadest term you you that was not what you intend now some some of the things maybe they were maybe they weren't but even if we just assume for a minute and, and, I, and I've, I've said this is like, you know, I can't look in your heart, right? We can only kind of deal with the word you say. That they are received by the person without power in a, in a racist or bigoted way, right? That it's, it's understood or experienced in that way. Um, get Kim Fritchie, right? Who just got reelected to the board, is now the vice chair, uh, of that board, when she was in our studio talking about this, she talked about how that's really the nut of the equity training is how do you get to understand the perceptions of the receiver or the, the person who's getting that or the, the disempowered person in that whole process. And, and I think that's, <clears throat> it's clear after, you know, that we have a long way to go still from all of the stuff that the, the district does and doesn't do well. Um, and it's clear after the board meeting last week that the board, even though a, a year into the equity training for which they have received specific training, they still 
and a couple of members in particular have a long, long way to go to understand what it means. Right. And I think, I think what we're, what we're talking about is to understand, we're talking about perception, right? Right. And it's not, it's not, it's, it's, it's a specific set of people whose perception matters in this particular instance. And, and I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to go and let's, let's use some example from that, from that meeting last week when we, when we got nominations for, for officers and, and, and Ryan Murdoch was the only one nominated for, for president for that chair position. And, and he was unanimously elected and we got to the vice president thing and, and Mike Allen nominated Kim Fritchie. And then after, <laughs> here's my uber announcement very awkward pause megan marshall nominated herself and immediately after that julie doan threw a couple of questions at her and they were on the surface fine right fine questions you might ask someone who was newly elected to that board of directors. Basically questions of, are you ready for this? Are you prepared? The problem is Jason, that you have to go, what we're supposed to be talking about through equity discussions, right? Is how those words are perceived and the context that they are given. Right. And let's, let's settle a context. Standing outside the Stansbury center were a hundred people protesting or demonstrating about equity, racial diversity, and, and things of that matter, specifically at the district. So, I mean, just, you know, if you take that slightly larger, and, they, and the reason they weren't in the room is because they weren't allowed to be because of, of current uh, social distancing requirements. So, right. It, right. And it, if you watched, if you watched the video, you saw like the, you know, the chairs all spread apart throughout the room. But the, but, but what I want to say is, because of that context, those were questions immediately thrown at the first black member of the Lee Summit R7 School District Board of Education. Ever. Ever. And not questions, no questions were asked of the other person nominated for that position. And so when you talk about perception and you talk about what it looks like or someone other than yourself, that's a whole different thing. Right, and, and I would think, and, and this is the part that just drives me batty, is Julie Doan, I still stand by my call for her resignation. Last year, one year ago, one year ago, sat at that dais and made what I will generously call an incredibly racially insensitive comment. Suffered no consequence for it other than having to write an apology, well, two of them, and has suffered no consequence for it, has gone through equity training, and then even now, a year on, doesn't have the situational awareness to understand what she's doing might look like. I mean, let's be clear, Marshall's self-nomination failed because it never got a second. It wasn't like they could have just not done anything and and then you know to follow it up and, and i think uh, once again i'll try to put this as as I'll, I'll not be as maximum inflammatory here i think mike allen's comments to ms marshall 
afterward about how it would, she'll find she has more freedom as not an officer were incredibly condescending. And, and again, a person who voted repeatedly against an equity plan and has came and ran essentially on a, we don't like the equity plan for that whole process should have a better awareness. And this is the thing that I, I mean, this is the part of that is like, it matters. It, and it, it, it actually, let me rephrase that. It doesn't matter whether Mike Allen or Julie Doan have racist intent. What matters is how Megan Marshall perceives it, how the hundred people outside demonstrating perceive it, how the other people of color and the other people in our community perceive it. Right. How the thousands of people that they serve. Right. And on that board and how they perceive it. And I can tell you it's not perceived well, especially by those in our community that are disadvantaged. Well, and, and here's where I want to, I want to wrap that all up and, 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 to, and I want to make sure that we cover, we cover all of this in is, so I don't want conversation in our community to shift to, okay, now we have to go talk about this gender thing and not talk about the race part, or we're going to talk about, we're going to talk about race, but not, not going to talk about the lawsuit of, of the teachers, or we're going to talk about the people on the, the students and former students on that, that Our Struggle LSR 7 thread who were talking about LGBTQ issues, right? Mm-hmm. This is layer on layer on layer on layer. I can, we'll, we'll keep going. Of one big conversation that it seems like we really need to have that are we, is our district, is our community representative of everyone? Are we, is, is real equity happening? Are we prepared to do that to include all of these people in the conversation right. and, and in I, our actions? And, and I think that, you know, you can see this in the lawsuit that the, you know, talk about structural discrimination, right? The, literally the salary structure of the district seems to disadvantage certain people. You know, when we're talking about equity in the broader picture, which includes all of those all of those groups of people that you mentioned. You know, there are structures in our society, in our school district, the the you know, the way students are disciplined, the way things are structured, how money is moved around, all of those things are structural things within our systems that create these outcomes that are different for the people who experience the discrimination or or the bigotry. And that is the, that is the thing. And I think we need to just be able to have that conversation, but yeah, you don't get distracted on the right hand with the shiny new lawsuit because it's the same stuff. It's just, you know, a different facet of our equity our a very flawed equity jewel that we have. Well, And since, since this segment started with a reference to, to John Bedoin's column on Lee to Lee summit, I'm going to, I'm going to wrap it up here this way. I'm going to go back to John. And one of John's favorite phrases to say is that words matter. And I want to add on to that a little bit. Absolutely. 100% words matter. The words we choose to use matter, but also included in that is context and perception. And all of us need to start thinking harder about the words we choose to use and when and where and how we use them. Man, you just said it. Good job. 
that's the discussion that has to happen. And, and you know, hopefully we'll, we'll hear more of that. And Jason, you and I are working on, on following up on, on the, the equity consultant and the training that's been going on and where we're at in that process. So we're going we're gonna to come back to this. And also, I'm going to tease a little bit. Hey, on Friday, we've got a conversation. I sat down with Miriam, who has kind of been behind that Our Struggle LSR7 uh, Twitter thread where some of these students are telling their stories. I sat down with her, so we're going to have that conversation coming on the Friday episode of this podcast. And then we're going to take a little break right now, Jason, and we're going to shift gears a little bit, and we're going to go talk about something fun. Yay, fun. Another way for people to to get involved and do do some things here. We're going to talk with... Ashley Knoll from the Downtown Lee Summit Main Street organization. We're going to talk about the farmer's market. Whereas I, I thought the, the, the off, slightly off downtown drive through the farmer's market, market yes. <laughs> right now. It's moved. If you haven't noticed, uh, if, you haven't, if, you, if you're wondering why it's not in its usual spot, we're going to talk a little bit about that and how it's moved out a little bit south of downtown based on everything that's happening with the pandemic and construction and all that other stuff. But it's not gone, folks. You can still get your farmer's market. So we're going to take a little break, and then we'll be back to talk about the farmer's market. Hello, and welcome back to Lee Summit Town Hall in our Wednesday episode. I have special guests with me today, Ashley Knoll, Karen Velez, and Kate Farrar. We're going to talk a little bit about the farmer's market, the Lee Summit Downtown Farmer's Market, which for this year... Is, we're going to call it the off downtown market yeah. so far. Uh, construction, pandemics, everything kind of got in the way this year, and we had to move it on down. So, Ashley, I wanted you to come out because, well, I want to remind people, we're still doing the market. They can still go there, and they can still get some awesome, awesome products. As a matter of fact, I bought some bread last week as I left volunteering for the market, and um, they did not last the night. <laughs> they were gone. That's <laughs> typically how the week goes for yeah. me, too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So Ashley, let's let's talk a little bit about the about the market first. Mm-hmm. What it is for those that don't know. I know we get a pretty good crowd usually, but for those that don't know, what's going on at the downtown farmers market? Yeah. So right now we're running our farmers market as a drive-through, um, and we're located at Abundant Life Baptist Church. So we're running on Saturdays from eight a.m. to noon, um, and it's just a one-way route through the market lot. Um, so you have to stay in your vehicle at all times. Um, you can pass other vehicles with caution, but it's just a way for our customers to get access to local foods um, without having to get out of their vehicles and remaining safe. Um, I like to think of it as concierge farmer's market. Exactly. I mean, like, like really, it's the least effort possible to go get farm fresh foods, right? Exactly. You stay in your car the whole time. You point out your window. I want that carrot. And they bring it to you. Right. So look, if so you easy. if you enjoy convenience and, and well, if you're like me, you like being lazy. Right. This is actually the the year of the market. Yeah. Yes. Because you don't have to work very hard. Right. You can stay in your air conditioned vehicle mm-hmm. and get produce to now, go. Now there's a chance that that things will change. We're yeah. not gonna we're not gonna talk it up too much because we don't know. We're recording this on Monday afternoon <laughs> and, and as everything with the pandemic, we know nothing. <laughs> the real right. answer is I don't know, but there's hope that at some point we'll be able to have walkthrough. Yes. So the reason we're running as a drive-through right now is because the Jackson County Health Department is considering our farmers market a special event. Um, so that means we're having to fall under their special event guidelines. So um, we can have no more than 50 people on site at a time. So we typically have 50 to 60 just in vendors alone. 
Um, so we wouldn't be able to have any, have any customers under their rules right now. Um, the governor, however, back in March, said that farmers markets were essential services. Um, so we're really working with Jackson County, trying to get them to designate markets that way um, so that we can operate in a different capacity. And that way we'd be able to offer fresh foods to our people who can't drive through the market, um, to our elderly population here in Lee Summit, um, or to our people who just don't own vehicles. Um, so that's going to be really important for us to be able to move to that way, that type of market when we're able to. I, I realized I made a mistake earlier. We should actually say where we're at. We that the the market isn't downtown this year. Yes, it, it it's is. At it, Life. it is at Abundant Life Church, which is which is just south uh, of downtown on the other side of Fifty, off of Purcell's Road. So that's where it's located, and the vendors are in the back. So if you if you drive by the front of the church, and you don't see anything. That's why you have to pull in the front and then drive around to the back. Yeah, and Abundant Life has been awesome to work with. Um, they have a ton of space in their parking lot, and they've just let us kind of take it over on Saturdays and use it as we need to. So that's been great. All right. Well, I'm going to bring Karen, Kate, I'm going to bring you guys in. Now you, you are, you are farmers, you are vendors, but you're also, you're also help run the committee through, through downtown to, to, to run this. Um, how big a deal for each of you? I'm going to start with, start with you, Karen. How big a deal is a market for you and your farm business? So we, in addition to doing CSAs, we opted to do sales direct to customers at Farmer's Market. That's been the majority of our business for the last 13 years. Our, our first market was the Downtown Lee Summit Farmer's Market. We've been there every year. So if we look at our community-supported agriculture program and then we look at our sales at Farmer's Market and the little bit of wholesale that we've done off and on, uh, 70% of our sales come from the farmer's markets that we do. And, and Downtown Lee Summit, I attend normally twice a week, which obviously this year we're, we're not even doing a Wednesday market. So uh, that's a big, big chunk of our sales. It's also our longest running farmer's market. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, the Downtown Lee Summit farmer's market opens um, in April and goes all the way through until mid-November, and then we have a holiday market as well. Mm-hmm. There aren't any other markets that we attend that run that long. Most of the others are just like right smack dab in the middle of the why summer. Why are markets different? Why, are, why, why is a farmer's market a better place for you to, to sell your, your product? I think part of it is the connection to the customer. You know, they get a chance to see who it is that's growing their stuff. You know, they see who is handling their produce. They see who is raising their meat or their eggs or baking their bread. Um, and they're, that's a community connection. You know, mm-hmm. farmer's markets are a community event. Uh, the other part of it, too, is as far as, you know, we're concerned, and, and, I mean, there's research to support it, it's food that you consume – um, is more nutritious the closer mm-hmm. it is to its source. Yes. So you're not having something in the grocery store that's been shipped 1,500 miles and has lost a lot of its nutrient value on the way there. You're getting it from the farmer who likely picked that the day before or the morning of the market. So you, you're kind of getting more bang for your buck at that mm-hmm. point from a, from a nutrition standpoint. Katie, do you see similar, I mean, does, does your business run on a, on a similar line where you see most of your business come from, from market sales? Yeah. So, <clears throat> excuse me. So, yeah, we, it's about the same percentages as what Karen's mentioning. Like, we've been doing this now six and a half or so years, and we've been at the market, this market, four of those. And I would say, I mean, it was all of our sales at the very beginning. We do a few off-farm sales events um, and, like, ordering pickups throughout the month but this is I mean it's a majority of our income and for all the vendors really like 
I think Karen and I, out of most of the vendors, do more non-farmers market um, additional sales options for our customers. But I can only imagine what this is doing to all the other vendors that don't have that as an option. It's it is ninety to one hundred percent of their yearly income. So I ask a lot of people as I as I interview other business owners from around town on, on this on this podcast. I ask a lot of them. I mean, did you have to change that a lot? During, I mean, <laughs> oh, yeah. look, we're oh, we're yeah. we're late in getting the market going, right? right. I mean, we're only yes. three weeks in, right? Like you said, we usually start in April in right. the market here in downtown. So did you have to? figure out a way to do more online sales and immediately more? Yep. we didn't actually do online sales when it came to the only thing that we had that was online were were half and whole hogs and our csa registration we didn't do any kind of okay that's twice you said csa sorry CSA. i have CSA. no idea what that means i need to, i forget sometimes so CSA. just dummy with microphones so you have to spell it out for me csa stands for community supported agriculture and it's a program where um people in the community can invest in a farm in the off season and then so they pay a fee up front and essentially that is their investment in in the harvest the next season so that gives literal seed money to that farm for operating capital during the winter and the in the spring when they're buying their seeds they're buying their supplies they're feeding their livestock when it comes time for the harvest those people who invested get their share based on what the harvest is. So whatever you're harvesting, they get a portion of that. In our, in our case, it runs for about 22 weeks during the summertime. So uh, that was the only, and that program is, we started that from the very beginning, and, and it was like our extra stuff we were going to sell at the market. And it very quickly turned into something different. The markets, <laughs> the demand at the market was like, oh, you have those? Do you have more? Uh, no. <laughs> Let me grow more of those next year. Is that a pretty common program? It is. I mean, I don't know much about farming at all. So so it actually started back in the 70s, and it was much more predominantly on the East and West Coast. We were actually one of the first um, farms in the Kansas City area to start one of these, and um, there's a lot more of them now. And there's different ways to do it too. It's you know you can do a market style, you can do a buy down, you can do it with meat. You can you know I know I know that Ferrars have one specifically for meat too. So it's becoming a lot more common and a lot more popular. Mm-hmm. So, but that was the only online sales that we did. Mm-hmm. So we very quickly pivoted over in March to creating a, a platform where people could order online for delivery because again with the social distancing we thought okay well we'll do home deliveries for now um and it it exploded Mm -hmm. i mean it went it went crazy and it was originally intended just to make it to where people who couldn't go to the farmer's market because there wasn't one Mm -hmm. could get their local stuff and now they're getting a little spoiled by it. <laughs> well, and Katie and Karen were like some of the first to uh, spin off their online sales. They both acted really quickly and, and I, started selling online. I will admit that there are several things that I used to go get that now I, I <laughs> order for delivery. And yeah, it's, yeah. it's sure. a little spoiled. It is. And yeah. we've had customers saying that, like, are you going to continue this? Because right. I'm feeling a little spoiled right now. You know? It's so nice to just put a cooler out on your front porch and yeah. have Katie bring you all <laughs> right? kinds of fresh meat. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, but again, you know, going back to the the way that the markets are being run right now, 
we're we're lucky. We're Very. one of you know some of the uh, yeah. few farms that had the ability to be able to jump online, yep. create a platform, and have customers find that platform. Yeah. We have farmers who are Amish. Yeah. That, that attend our market, they're not on in, on the internet, you know? <laughs> right. So, I mean, they don't even, you know, you can't even take phone orders at that point. Yeah. So we yeah. have quite a few vendors who are at a disadvantage when it comes to that, and we have quite a few customers that are also at a disadvantage when it comes to, you know, a drive-through type of a situation. Mm-hmm. So it, while we've been lucky, and I know, you know, Katie and, yeah. and, and her family have been lucky, yeah, there's they're some that common. just aren't as, yeah, yeah. We're, yeah, I think we're the exception yes. to the rule. Are sure. some of you taking, like, pre-orders, mm-hmm. Katie, so that yeah. I can order before I can come to the market and just exactly. come get it. Yep. So that's really ideal. Honestly, I don't want to over speak for all the other vendors, but honestly, it, you can just it, for the fun of it. it, it <laughs> just do it. It's really the best um, way to do it because then from a produce standpoint, they're able to harvest exactly what they need, exactly what was ordered. There's no waste happening there. They're not setting it out on the table and saying, gosh, I hope all my kale or tomatoes sell. And then shoot, you know, I didn't. And now it's just got to get composted or find another outlet for it. So that's great for the produce farmers, I think. So everyone pre-order your stuff. And I mean, for us, we sell frozen meat. So it's definitely easier. It's not a waste issue that you're running into, but it does create a faster experience for the customer. It's better for us because we know, okay, well, this is how much I can take to sell to walk up, drive up customers versus, hey, here's your bag, grab it, you're done, you got what you want. You don't have to worry about it being sold out. So I love it. (laughs) Honestly, it's better. And for our customers, it gives them a little bit more that gives them more options because yes. in this simplified environment, in order to be able to facilitate people moving in more quickly or moving through, we've really pared down yes. what we yes. bring. Like we're only bringing, you know, a few cuts of pork that mm-hmm. are, it's one pound packages. It's pre, it's easy to do. I'm not doing pork chops. I'm not doing things that are going to require somebody to, well, let me see what, what size is that package? Yeah. Let me see. Cause you can't do that from a car, exactly. <laughs> right. but right. if they pre-order, they can go online and they can see that stuff. So they mm-hmm. have a wider selection they can choose from. You know, same thing with the produce. I mean, if when we had, you know, two weeks worth of strawberries, yes. those strawberries. strawberries were selling out before we even brought them to market. <laughs> well, I will, I will tell you, when I, when I volunteered two weeks ago, there was a guy who came in specifically after strawberries. Oh, yeah. yeah. He and his wife were hitting markets <laughs> throughout the Kansas City sure. region trying to find strawberries. Oh, yeah. And I think item. that couple showed up, like, at 10 and I was like there's no way there's oh, strawberries yeah. left you know what? <laughs> they got them really they that's got them. I, he, oh. he came back around just to tell us I'm gonna come back to Katie's talking about about speed and yeah. and, and that it is a little bit faster but but Ashley first mm-hmm. um, for people who do want to pre-order do they yeah. need to go to the individual vendors websites can they go through downtown how is what's the, what's the best way for people yeah to if they visit downtown ls.org slash market we have all of our vendors listed on there what products they have available and then how to pre-order through them. Um, So whether it's, you know, getting on Karen's website and ordering that way or calling a vendor ahead of time and saying, hey, I need XYZ. So So that website again? DowntownLS.org slash market. All right. Well, let's talk about ease because I think a lot of people get a little, look, change is hard. Change that is, is so and true. Doing things differently. <laughs> I got to go to a different place. I got to stay in my car, even mm-hmm. though I'm calling it the concierge market. Um, it, it's different. Different is hard, but 
but honestly, too, I mean, how long is it taking? If I'm going to drive through and I'm going to pause at the at the booths and, and take, a, take a gander as much as I can, mm-hmm. I mean, are, are we moving through pretty quickly? Yeah, it's really taking people only about 20 minutes to 30 minutes to get through start to finish, and that's buying from several vendors. Right. Um, so it's definitely less time than you would normally spend at a farmer's market. So yeah. typically on a Saturday, you're going to go to a market and spend an hour, hour and a half looking at things. Um, with a drive through it's really only taking 20 to 30 minutes. Yeah, I think we usually make a morning out of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, when we exactly. Walk down. We do too. <laughs> the yeah. We're just, you know, get the wagon, walk yeah. down, see other people's dogs. Exactly. <laughs> yep. <laughs> well, what, have there been a couple of things, Karen and Katie, have there been a couple of things that you, you, you're enjoying about doing this a little differently? Is there, Or is it, are we just are we just biting our lips and, and getting through here? Can you hear the smirks on our faces? Yeah, <laughs> we're, we're, we're grinning over here. Yes. Um, you know, when you when you farm for a living, you know, you're used to, okay, yeah, you got to get up early in the morning mm-hmm. and you got to do these things. You have to do these chores or whatever else. And then you add in a farmer's market on top of your normal morning chores <sighs> and an open a market that opens really early. And, you know, ugh, there's a lot. There, you're up at 3 o'clock in the morning or 3.30 in the morning yeah. to get done what you're doing. So first, not having a Wednesday market has been, you know, a little yeah. bit easier on us. It's it like, has. okay, one less day I got to be out. Exactly. Yeah. And then, you know, two, since we are CSA pickups – um, normally would happen. I usually have about 20 to 25 of those that pick up on a Saturday morning. And we told them, no, I'm going to deliver those to your house again to kind of cut down on the traffic. So that's fewer things that I have to have in my truck on a Saturday morning, <laughs> which means I can, you know, load a little bit later and the market's opening at eight instead of seven. Yes. And we are really enjoying that. <laughs> so nice. So, so nice. Though. Katie was telling us earlier that she wakes up at 530 that on now, Saturdays yeah. right now, which is later than I get up. Oh yeah, that's right unheard of. Like, yeah, yeah, I slept in this week. Like, what is this? Yeah, I ignored her when she said that earlier. When we were talking <laughs> yeah. pre, pre-show, uh-huh. and she said that, I was like, "Yeah, that's I'm just done." No, <laughs> no, it's no. better than three. I, yeah, we're getting. My husband and I are getting up at like five on Saturdays right now to prep for the drive-through. Which, thank it's, you. Yes, I mean all we are volunteers. so appreciative yeah. of the volunteers. It that would are not out be happening all this mm-hmm. literally without you guys. So that is an awesome organic segue. Yeah. Ashley, I know you want to make a plug. You. Yeah. You, we would love to have some more people we, come out and help us. And, and look, it, it is fun. I, I like go out there when I can, and which has been every week so far. But but make a little plug. Let's get some more people to come help yeah. us make this happen. We desperately need volunteers to make the drive-through happen. Um, we are typically needing anywhere from six to ten volunteers every Saturday. Um, so you can go to our website downtownls.org/volunteer, and our volunteer sign up is right there, and you can. Just click, sign up really quick. Um, yeah, it will take any help we can get. Please. And we're a fun group of people. We are. So we're really fun. We don't bite. <laughs> we have snacks, too. There, there, That's you true. get snacks, you get water. <laughs> Sometimes you get a handy-dandy market bag out of the deal. There's a, a really cool vest you get right now, too, that has pockets for your snacks. Ooh. So. I just want to say that I have never met a group of people that have been more excited about pockets, pockets. <laughs> in a safety vest Hello. Than, than the downtown crew. I like, did I did spend a little bit more money on the pocketed <laughs> vest because I need a pot. Like, where am I going to put my snacks? That's snacks are life. Good thinking Let's ahead. You're a planner. Yeah. I love it. I mean, I always bring my little fanny pack, too, for others. So I've got multiple pockets yes. for snacks. Backup snacks. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 
Snacks are very you, important. You, they are. You just made the host speechless. I got nothing. Yeah. <laughs> I, there you I, I go. I got nothing there. I got nothing there. And if you need more snacks, the Ferraris <laughs> have like awesome jerky that you oh can get gosh. for snacks she too. Just, like so. waddle over to the booth. All right, I'm gonna put you guys. Right. That was my Saturday. <laughs> Pork jerky snacks. <laughs> I'm gonna put you guys on the spot because it's fun. Okay. Okay. I get to do this. So sure. Katie and yeah. Karen. All right. You have to tell me a favorite vendor that's not yourself. Oh, what? Okay, like, come okay. on. There's got to be a go-to rapid food. Rapid fire, rapid fire. So I can't, like, choose her? Yeah. No. <laughs> no, that's not fair. Because I buy all my stuff from her, right? <laughs> Let me think. A favorite Okay, so wait, but we had to pick Ooh. a category, because, like, are you going for... No, nah, every, like, everybody's got a go-to. Like, look, I okay. go... Well, but it's different. Are we talking produce? Are we talking, like, right. favorite so, baked yeah. goods? Flat, like, bouquets? Like, I don't know. Ooh, so I can tell you... Um, one of my favorites is farm to market bread because oh, they have sourdough yes. and having lived for eight, nine oh, years yeah. in the San Francisco Bay area, finding a good sourdough <laughs> is really hard to do if you're not there. So I would have to list them as one of my favorites. I'm just going to tell you that that was the correct answer. Oh, okay. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> That's so hard. And the funny thing is, is the sourdough is actually for my husband, really. I don't eat it as Aww. much, but you know. That's cute. Yeah. I go for the bread. My wife mm. likes to go for flowers. Yeah. Oh, yes. flowers. Yeah, she absolutely. Likes add, she likes mm-hmm. to add flowers. I'm yeah. having a hard time. I oh, hate this. Come on, on Katie. I was thinking farm to market, but I can't say them now. I will I say what we did. So um, last year's mother, Mother's Day weekend, my brother and I just made a trip. We, we He met me at my house. We walked down to the market. I remember mm-hmm. that. And we bought everything for our Mother's Day brunch oh, that day. Nice. Awesome. And just bought it all and then yep. went and cooked a giant that's giant cute. meal for, for our mothers and mothers-in-law. That's that was, awesome. That was fun. Yeah. Did you get Zendonki juices to make yeah. the cocktails I would say that's, that's probably one of my <laughs> other favorites. Do, yeah. do you want to know the truthful answer? Mm, yeah. Yes. 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 See? Uh, fresh Kate's, juice for cocktails? Kate's it's amazing. juices are great. Yes. And I just like to mix alcohol with the, them. The, <laughs> right. Right. I'm just going to I'm just gonna put this out there. The, the beet juice oh. is fantastic. The beet juice with gin. Yes. Oh, nice. Be- again, oh, correct answer. Yeah. Correct nice. answer. I like the ginger lemon shot. That one's my fave. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I Those are both good, guys. I like. Well, That's she's okay. not there right now, but um, Zabeth, the Dangs, they have really beautiful bouquets. And I've randomly, in years past, I've gotten sat next to them. Uh, we're next door neighbors. And I just get to sit there and look at the flowers. And they're just beautiful and amazing. So, yep. She'll yeah, be back this year. Yeah, I was going to say oh, her good. stuff mm-hmm. is really good. They're in a lull right now probably with like mm-hmm. the they're planting. I yeah. know we're down Ashley a little bit in in number of vendors and mm-hmm. some of that is some of that is space, some of that is just everybody's doing things differently. Every business has to try to survive whatever way they can right now. Yep. Um, but how many how many vendors are we kind of averaging right now? Yeah, so right now at the drive-through market, we're right around 20. Um, however, we have 36 vendors that are still active in our system right now. Um, so I expect when we move to a walk-up vendor, a walk-up market, we'll have 36. And I think this is, I think it's an important one for me to ask for those. As we talk about the possibilities of going back to a walk, walk-up market, mm-hmm. it's still going to stay at Abundant Life for this season. Uh, for probably a lot of the season, um, maybe not all of it. Um, we just have so much space at Abundant Life to be able to use and you know, distance our vendors and make sure our customers have space to socially distance themselves. And mm-hmm. um, if we move back downtown, um, we can only fit 26 vendors in that lot distanced every other space. And we just have more vendors than that right now. So um, I hope we can move down here as soon. <laughs> um, so as soon as we're able, we'll move back downtown because I love being downtown. But um, 
and, yeah. and walking to work on Saturday is much better than driving. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I appreciate you guys coming out and telling us a little bit of your, not only your business stories, but a little bit about what's going on in the yeah. market. I'm going to have you do this. One last pitch. Why should people come out? To the farmer's market? Yeah. <laughs> well, no, to come to my studio. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, so people should come out this weekend to just get access to fresh and local um, produce and meats and breads. Um, we're also right at the beginning of summer fruit season, yes. which is my favorite. Mm-hmm. So um, peaches should be coming on soon. And then blackberries, blueberries. And then July cantaloupe and watermelon, oh, yes. which I'm super Can't excited about. So you're my like choir of yeses in the background. Yes. So yes. I we're just getting into like the best part of farmers market season. Produce so. for me, the peaches, radishes. I love fresh, oh, me too. fresh radish. Yes. Awesome. What do you do with yeah. your radishes? Just eat them. Yeah. I just, like salads, oh. whatever. I sauteed I, I, mine in bacon, oh, like just oh. with bacon the other day. Oh my yes. gosh. Deal. Holy yeah. moly. Sign me up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, a little garnish for a martini. Oh, that's a great oh, idea. Cute. Huh. Yeah, spicy. Talk about nice. alcohol a lot. <laughs> I know. Four of us. <laughs> I also it think It might have been a mocktail. It, sure. A martini sure mocktail. Sure it was. <laughs> Another good reason to come out is you're also supporting small local mm-hmm. providers and producers. So, I mean, I think even right now, you know, it's even it's even more important to support, you know, local producers, local local mm-hmm. businesses in general. Mm-hmm. You know, you know where your money is going and you know what's coming right back into your community. And mm-hmm. I think that's that's a fabulous reason to shop the farmers market for mm-hmm. sure. And I will say this, like the for those that are price conscious, mm-hmm. and look, look, I treat I treat food and grocery shopping like it's competition for me. Mm-hmm. I always like to see how low can I make mm-hmm. my set my budget, right? Sure. So I'm that guy. Yeah. I'm cheap. It's sure. okay. You can just say it out loud. Yeah. <laughs> the prices are great at the market. I mean, it's really you're not yeah. talking. I think some people get a little scared yes. and they're like, oh, I'm gonna pay a premium for all that. Mm-hmm. no, no. no. Yeah. No, I think the prices are, are comparable, especially when you consider the quality that you're getting. You know, I mean, exactly. you can't, you know, if, if, if something, something might seem a little bit more expensive at the market, but if you were to try to compare that to something in the grocery store that was the exact same quality, yep. there's there's no way. First okay. of all, you can't find that in the grocery store, yep. you know, and then secondly, you're just not going to, you know, you're not going to, you definitely would be paying a premium for it in exactly. the store. So, yeah, I mm-hmm. think the, the farmer's market is a, is a still a good, a good economical choice. Mm-hmm. It's all. Also, speaking of coronavirus, since we're all talking about that, mm-hmm. it is the safest option in my personal opinion. But yeah. if you want to look at food safety and who's been touching your food and the food supply chain at stores, you come to the market and you're looking at the person that planted, picked, and sold it to you. So, I mean, you can't get a much smaller loop than that as far as food safety. So, if that's your concern right now, come out. Absolutely. And yeah. you're also in an open air environment exactly. instead of being yeah. inside. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Yeah, the radishes that Karen's growing, I mean, Karen planted them. Karen picked them, yep. brought mm-hmm. them to the market, and then you picked them up. And then I put mm-hmm. them in my belly. Right. Yeah. So that's two people. You and Karen <laughs> are your the martini. only one. Whatever. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Whichever. Whichever. <laughs> well, Katie, Karen, Ashley, thanks so much for, for stopping by, and we'll yeah, see everybody thanks. on Saturday. Thanks. Thanks for having us. Bye. You have been listening to Lee Summit Town Hall, a link to Lee Summit podcast with hosts Nick Parker and Jason Norberry. A proud member of the Fredcast Network, you can subscribe to this podcast on most of your favorite podcast apps and catch us every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday for all the news, analysis, and conversations on the Lee Summit community. Connect with us on Facebook at Link2Lee Summit or on Twitter at LS Town Hall. Mm-hmm.